Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast. came on staff here five years ago, uh, Pastor Justin always said, hey, be ready just in case I have to call. You know, I get sick on a Sunday morning. He said, it's never happened. And so I've always kind of had that in the back of my mind. And uh, he's 12 years into Foundation Church and today's the first day. So we are not going to be in our Money Matters series. Um, Believe it or not, that was not like my sermon that I had ready to go did not deal with finances. I know it's not like uh, that was just not not in the books. But um, I grew up in church. Uh, every time the doors were open, it seemed like my family was there. I grew up going to Sunday school, and they would have the felt boards with the little characters. Anyone remember those guys? And they tell you all the stories about Jesus walking on water, and they have little felt Jesus walking on water. And they talked about David and Goliath, and they'd have a picture of David throwing a stone at Goliath, right? And they had all these stories. And I grew up knowing these stories and hearing them and being familiar with them. But, uh, but, but it wasn't too long ago that I realized that I can know these stories But if I can't pull out truths of those stories and apply them to my life, it's not really meaningful. It doesn't make a big impact on my life. Uh, I am ashamed to admit that I know way too many lyrics of Getting Jiggy With It by Will Smith. Guess what? That, I may know it, it does nothing for my life at all. There is no benefits at all, except when it comes on the radio or Spotify and I start singing it and Aubrey looks at me and she goes, what is wrong with you, right? Like that's, it adds no benefit to my life. We can know the Bible stories, but if we don't pull out truths and apply them to our life, it's not really making an impact. It's not making a difference. And so today, um, my hope as we go through kind of one of the Bible stories that we all might know, or at least we're a little familiar with, is that we can get information, but we can pull out some application, and that through that there will be transformation, right? That we can know the information, we can see the principles, and then our lives can be transformed through the information that we get. So tonight, or tonight, this morning, we're going to be talking about one of maybe the more infamous characters in the Bible, right? He's a good guy, but he's one of the guys that you look at and you're like, man, he had so much potential, but he failed to live up to it. And this morning, we're going to be talking about a guy named Samson. Now, Samson was basically a superhero, right? Long flowing hair, just super strong. And uh, he did all kinds of crazy things. Uh, this one time he went up to these, these city gates of his enemies um, that, that these gates were designed to protect the citizens inside. So it wasn't like a little fence that you would just like open up and walk through, right? They were massive gates and he ripped them off of the hinges. A few weeks ago, I was scrolling through Instagram and, and the rock Dwayne Johnson, you know, if you smell that guy, you know, um, he, uh, I guess the power went out at his house. And so he has these metal gates that open and close so he can go and he couldn't get out of his gates. He had a Jumanji 17 to shoot or whatever he was doing. And um, he, he took a picture, uh, several pictures. He ripped the gates off of the, 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 the fence and it was like super impressive, right? But compared to what Samson did, um, it wasn't that big of a deal. Samson um, basically destroyed an entire nation's food supply, which sounds super brutal, but he was, you know, he was a, he was a bad dude. And, and uh, he killed a thousand enemies at one time. He did all these crazy things, um, but he did not have the best character. 
You know, we look at King David, who is a man after God's own heart. We look at these people throughout the Bible, and we see them chasing after God. Samson had some downfalls. And so this morning, we're going to look at the life of Samson and say, hey, where did he go wrong? Man, what can we learn from his story, and how can we be better followers of Jesus because of it? So um, because this was super short notice. The notes are not going to be on the screen, but if you have the YouVersion Bible app, they're at, they are actually in, in there, and so you can follow along um, if you have, like, the Bible app. The, the notes should be in there. So when we're looking at the life of Samson, we can see a few different things, and the first thing we can see is that Samson was supposed to live a different life. Samson was supposed to live a different life. If you turn to Judges chapter 13, we're going to start here reading verses 2 through 5. It says this, it says, In those days a man named Manoah from the tribe of Dan lived in the town of Zorah. His wife was unable to become pregnant, and they had no children. The angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah's wife and said, Even though you have been unable to have children, you will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. So be careful, you must not drink any wine or any other alcoholic drink nor eat any forbidden food. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and his hair must never be cut, for he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth, and he will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. When we're looking through the book of Judges, there's a cycle that happens. The nation of Israel runs from God, a nation um, invades or attacks and they kind of become enslaved or, or their, their territory is occupied. God raises up a leader, a judge, right? It's the book of Judges. You're like, oh, right, they call them judges. Um, and that person will deliver Israel from the enemies. They'll have like some years of peace and success and prosperity. The judge will die. The nation will forget about what they've done. They'll turn from God. The nation will invade. And it's just this big cycle that happens. And when we get to Judges 13, there have been 11 different judges that have rescued Israel, that have brought them success and peace, that have died. And then God raised up another one and another one and another one. So for 11 different, 11 different times, there have been judges. And Samson is now before he's even being born, being called to be the next judge of Israel. And we see his life, right? Before he even steps onto the scene, before he even um, says his first words, God is saying, hey, you are supposed to live a set-apart life. God uses the word, he is to take a Nazarite vow. Now, the the word Nazarite, um, you may think of like the Nazarene church or whatever, but for us, a Nazarite vow doesn't really mean a whole lot, right? We're not living in in Egypt or Israel, you know, 7,000 years ago. And so for us, we may not know what that means. Um, But for the Israelite people at that time, they knew exactly what that meant, I think it was in the book of Numbers where God lays out what a Nazarite vow is supposed to be. They're not supposed to drink any alcohol. They're not supposed to cut their hair. They're not supposed to deal with dead animals. Um, There's a a whole other list of how they're supposed to offer sacrifices, right? And so the Israelites know exactly what it means. And it says in Numbers that those people who take the Nazarite vow, that they are setting themselves apart to be used by the Lord in a special way. Now for us, We may not take that vow, but the idea of setting something apart for a specific purpose is not foreign to us, or at least it shouldn't be foreign to us, right? We have, um, at our house, we have like a handful of of different 
dishes. We have the plastic junky ones that we use all the time, right, when no one else is around. We have some ceramic ones that it's like Thanksgiving or whatever that we'll use. And then we have like the china set that my, that Aubrey's grandma passed down to her that are set aside for a special purpose. We had a son three months ago and we did not touch that china. So I don't know what special purpose we're waiting for to use it. I don't know. I don't, the president comes like, sorry, sorry, sir, I don't know, like, we're not using the fine china. We didn't use it for the birth of my son. Like, here's a Tupperware dish that you can eat out of, right? I, so, so we have the china that's set apart for a special purpose that no one really knows what it's used for. Um, I have a certain pair of shoes that I use to mow the yard, right? They are set aside for a special purpose. They can get grass and dirt and any remains that my dog leaves in the backyard, right? And I don't care because I just set them out in the garage. I have a toothbrush, that is used for my teeth. It's not used for the toilet. It's not used for the floor. It is for a special purpose. So the idea of setting things aside for a specific purpose shouldn't be completely foreign to us. But when it comes to us living a life that follows, follows Jesus, this is where it kind of gets a little murky. This is where it gets a little difficult for us to understand. Because as followers of Jesus, our lives, our words, Our business dealings, our habits, our actions, the way we treat people, everything about us should be set apart for a specific purpose to be used by God. Samson had this calling on his life before he was even born. And you and I, the moment that we are born again, as Jesus says, there is a special calling and a special purpose that we are supposed to live by. 2 Timothy 2.19 says this, 2.19 through 22 says this. It says, but God's truth stands firm like a foundation stone with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his and all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. In some wealthy homes, um, in a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions and the cheap ones are used for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use uh, you in every good work. And I love what Paul is writing there. He's saying, if you stay clean, if you stay pure, another word the Bible uses that we don't use a whole lot is the word holy. The Bible calls us to be holy because God is holy. That our lives, that word holy simply means set apart. That our lives are called to be set apart so God can use us in big and powerful and mighty ways. Man, something that we can take away from the life of Samson Just like he was called before he was born, you and I are called when we are born again to set our lives apart, lives that honor God in all that we do, not just on Sunday mornings, not just when we're praying around the dinner table, but in everything that we do, our lives are called to be set apart, constantly chasing after God in everything that we do. We're looking at the life of Samson. His life was supposed to be different our life is supposed to be different as well. The next thing we see when we look at the life of Samson is that what looked good to him is what got him in trouble. What looked good to him is what got him in trouble. Judges 14, one through three says this. 
It says, one day when Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. When he returned home, he told his father and mother, a young Philistine woman in Timnah caught my eye. I want to marry her. Get her for me. His father and mother objected. Isn't there even one woman in our tribe or among all the Israelites you could marry? Why must you go to the pagan Philistines to find a wife? But Samson told his father, get her for me. She looks good to me. Now, I mean, hey, she must have been fine. I don't know. But um, here's the thing. Um, I'm not going to take this verse completely out of context because a couple verses later, it says that God was working through this process, was working through Samson so that God could position Samson to get uh, revenge on his enemies. However, this seems to be a little bit of a theme in Samson's life where he what looks good to him are, is the opposite sex. So you see this instance. There's another time where it says that he spent the night with a prostitute, which I, I think that's still frowned upon. I haven't checked the laws, but I'm pretty sure it's still, I don't, I don't think that's a good thing. Um, and then ultimately his relationship with Delilah was his downfall, was the beginning of the end for Samson when he saw what looked good to him and he went after it, right? But here's the thing. With Samson, who is going to tell him no? They've seen him do these incredible feats of strength. They've seen him fight off countless enemies. They've seen him do a, a number of, of strength-related things, and he is just a violent, strong dude. So who's going to tell him no? Right? His dad was like, oh, I don't know, Samson. Maybe you shouldn't do that. And he's like, go get her. He's like, okay. Right? It's like, what's he going to do? If Samson wants to rob a bank, they just be like, here's the money, sir. I don't know what you want me to do. Like, you know, if he wants to eat a gallon of ice cream, you're like, maybe that'll go to your thighs. He's like, forget your thighs. Bring me more. Right? Like, who cares? Samson is going to do what he wants to do. No one's going to stop him. And the truth is, there's been times in my life where what has looked good to me, what I thought was best for me, I have chased after. Did I pray about it? No. Did I think about it? No. Just impulsively, that looks good to me. I'm going to go after it. And sometimes we reason it and say, hey, yeah, God wants me to be happy, but I mentioned it earlier. I think God is more concerned about our holiness than our happiness. That God wants our lives to be modeled after him instead of what we want. And there's a couple of things that are wrong when we chase after what we want. The first thing is this, is that you will always be chasing something. Because your stuff is eventually going to be outdated. Your clothes are eventually going to wear out. Your car is eventually going to be out of date. Um, the technology, the stuff that we chase after, the stuff that looks good to us is never going to satisfy us. Why? Because it's temporary. It's not eternal. But the second and more important thing that happens is we've got to understand that we no longer belong to ourselves. That when we decide, hey, I am going to follow Christ, we can't say, I want this, because it's no longer what I want, but it's about what God wants. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, one of the first things he says, God, let your will be done. Let your kingdom come, right? Not my will, not my kingdom, but God's will and God's kingdom. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, Paul is writing this. He says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? And this is what I want you to pay attention to. You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. The price that God bought us with 
The currency that he used was his son, Jesus Christ, that lived a perfect life and that was sacrificed, that was killed for nothing that he did, but simply because he loves you and he loves me. And God wanted a way for us to have an eternal relationship with him. The price that was paid was the life of Jesus. We do not belong to ourselves because God has bought us back from sin, from death, from addiction, from destruction. God has bought us back, and we no longer belong to ourselves. We belong to the King of Kings. And so our lives can no longer just chase after what we want. Instead, we are chasing after God and saying, God, not my will, but your will be done. Aubrey and I, we, we open up our house to teenagers. We have different events that happen, um, and, and we love it, right? We love what we get to do. We love hanging out with students. We love having them over. We love um, serving on Wednesday nights. But one thing that I do not love, when teenagers come over, is the inevitable wave of destruction that will be left when they leave. Um, if you have teenagers, if you've had teenagers over to your house, maybe you can relate. You're like, how did that hole end up in that wall? What happened to my TV remote, right? Like you, things just end up broken. And God love them, right? They try their best. But what, and, and maybe you can relate, what happens is if something doesn't belong to you, you don't really understand the value that it has, right? You may see something that, that looks insignificant, but it could be very sentimental to somebody. It could be priceless, right? Maybe it was passed down and it just, you know, but, or maybe you bought something that was super expensive and someone's like, I want to play with it and they crash it. And you're like, awesome, thanks. Now I have to save up and buy it again. And what happens to us is when we chase after what we want, very often do we forget what it costs God to bring us back from death and sin. We forget that it cost him the life of a son. And so instead of chasing after eternal things, we chase after temporary things. And part of me wonders, not that God is upset with us, but he's just like, man, do you know what that cost? Do you know what it costs for me to give you salvation and to forgiveness and hope? Do you know the price that I paid so that I could buy you back from that life that you are still chasing? For Samson, his downfall was chasing things that looked good to him. And for us, if we are not careful, things that look good to us, they may not be bad things, but they're not the best thing. And we have to make sure that we are chasing after something eternal, which is a relationship with God that shapes and forms and directs every part of our life so that we can be lifelong disciples chasing after God in all that we do, if we keep our eyes off what is good and focus on God, man, our lives won't be filled with regrets. It won't be filled with what ifs. It'll be filled with joy and hope that'll leave a legacy that lasts long beyond us. The last thing is this, is that even though he made mistakes, even though Samson fell, even though he screwed up, even though he had his problems, God still used him. God still used him. In Judges chapter 16, verse 28, this is after Samson has already been taken slave. He's already had his hair shaved off. He's had his eyes gouged out. He's basically um, a party trick for the Philistines where they bring him out and they laugh at him. Oh, look how mighty Samson used to be. And now he, here he is tied up, right? And, and they would just mock him and make fun of him. And in, in uh, Judges chapter 16, verse 28, we see that God works through Samson one last time. It says, Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me again. 
Oh God, please strengthen me just one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. Then Samson put his hands on the two center pillars that held up the temple, and pushing against them with both hands, he prayed, Let me die with the Philistines. And the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people, so he killed more people when he died than he had during his entire lifetime. Now, I am not going to read into the Bible what is not there, but I like to ask questions and I like to let my mind wander. I'm just a little curious like that. But I wonder, man, if Samson had been a man of integrity, if he had been a man that lived up to the calling that he had for, for, since birth, if he didn't follow what was good and said followed God and God's leading, how long could he have ruled and judged Israel? It tells us that he, he judged Israel for 20 years. But if he had been a person of integrity, could he have ruled for 40, 50, 60, 70? One of the judges in Israel ruled for 80 years. Could Samson have been one of those mighty heroes that we look back and say, man, what, what a man that pursued God. What a man that led with integrity. I don't know. I don't know. And I'm not going to, to get into that debate. That's a different debate for a different time. But it's interesting to think about, did Samson miss out on all that God had for him because he wanted to pursue what he wanted to do instead of what God wanted to do? But here's the thing, and I'm closing with this if Shannon wants to come out. Here's the thing. Following Jesus, and we say it at the end of our services, man, it comes with ups and downs. It comes with stumbles. It comes with falls. But thank God we serve a God of second, third, fourth thousand chances. A God who doesn't write us off after we've messed up one time. Man, I love that Nate is living out that story in, in his business where he is giving people a second and a third chance so that they can have an opportunity to get back on their feet and encounter a Savior that loves them. Man, and, and I love the story of the prodigal son found in Luke chapter 15. And, and this chapter is, is full of Jesus telling these stories about God bringing people back. From, from the one sheep out of the hundred that gets lost, he brings them back and they celebrate. From the woman who loses like 10 cents, who loses a dollar, like a little minuscule amount, but she finds it and they, they celebrate to the two sons. One of them runs away. And if you know the story, if not, I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. A dad has two sons. One of the sons says, Dad, I don't want to wait for you to die. Give me my inheritance, which if you have a kid, that's probably not something you want them to say to you. Hey, I don't, I don't care when you die. Just give me my money, right? That's not something as a parent you're like, ah, oh, parenting fail. But he, dad gives him the money, and it says just a couple days later, he packs up his stuff. No long, weepy goodbyes, no embraces. He takes his money and runs. It says he spends all of his money on wild living, and by the time his money runs out, a famine hits the land, and this kid ends up homeless. He ends up jobless. All of the friends that were around when the money was there are gone, and he ends up working for a farmer feeding pigs. And in the Jewish community, in the Jewish culture, that's like the lowest of the low, right? There's, you are feeding, you are feeding the gross animals that are not supposed to be touched or dealt with. It says he wakes up one morning, and he's like, man, I had it so good at my dad's house. Even the workers that are there have a place to eat and, and a place to sleep. I'll go back to my dad and say, Dad, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Please forgive me and bring me back. And in Luke 15, verse 20, it tells about the son's return home. And it says this, it says, So he returned home to his father. 
And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. And filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Let me stop right there and just say, so many times we think that when we run from God, that there has to be like this slow, repentant crawl, like, oh, forgive me, I'm so evil, I'm so gross. And that God is just like, yeah, you are, take that. Like, you deserve everything you got. Can I tell you that the Father's response is God's response, that he is filled with love and compassion. It says, his son said to his father, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. I said at the beginning of this that we can know the story of Samson, but if we don't pull out some of the truths and say, hey, what can I learn from this story? It's just, it's just information. It's just like me knowing lyrics to a song that don't matter a whole lot. But when we see the character of God through the life of Samson, when we see that our lives as followers of Christ are supposed to be lived differently, when we see that we're not supposed to chase what's good, but we're supposed to chase what's best, which is a relationship after God, when we see that even when we fall and mess up and screw up and whenever we walk away from God, that it's not God that has gone anywhere, right? God is with us. It's a matter of us turning around and saying, God, I need you. God, I need you. God, forgive me. The Bible calls it repentance, which is a turning away from the life you've been living. Not just saying, ah, I feel guilty, I'm sorry. Maybe I'll do it again, maybe I'm not, who knows. Like, it's turning away from that life and saying, God, I want you more than anything else. And if you're in here today, Maybe you came in here with a heavy heart, you're feeling shame, you're feeling guilt, you're feeling just distant from God. Can I tell you that turn around, God is right there filled with love and compassion waiting to welcome you back. It doesn't matter how long it's been since you've prayed, it doesn't matter how long it's been since you've been in church, that God sees right where you are. He's never lost sight of you, but he wants a relationship with you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm gonna ask you guys a question. And I'm gonna give you an opportunity to say, I need to turn back to God. I need to renew and restart that relationship that I have with him. Maybe one time you, you had a relationship with him and you feel like you've been running away. Can I tell you now is the perfect day to turn back to him? Maybe you have never started that relationship with him. Can I tell you now is the perfect day to start that relationship with him? Don't live a life of regret and say, man, what would have happened if I would have done this, if I would have done that? Say, God, today is the day I'm gonna start living the life that you want me to live. And on the count of three, if you need that relationship renewed, if you need that relationship restarted, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Is there anyone here today that say, I need that relationship. I need that renewed, that fresh start with God, that I've been running from him, but today I want to be difference. Anyone in here, just simply raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. Yeah, I see your hand. Thank you. Would anyone want to join this one hand that's lifted? Anyone online that you're saying, I need that? Man, just, just signal, send us a message. Let us know so we can be praying for you. Man, God loves the comeback. God loves the return. God celebrates 
when those who are lost are found. One of our values here at Foundations Church is we believe we're better together. And I do this on Wednesday nights, but I believe that we in here are a family. You may not know the person across the, the sanctuary. You may not know the person in front of you, right? But here's the deal. We are all family when it comes to the family of God. And we had one person in here raise their hand and say, I want to come back. That is something to celebrate. So what I'm going to ask us to do is I want us all to repeat this prayer. And if you raised your hand today, man, just mean it from your hearts. But we're going to repeat this prayer together, just a sign of solidarity and saying, we are with you. There is no judgment. There is no condemnation because each and every one of us in here has screwed up and fallen and messed up and we have all needed God's grace and forgiveness at one time or another. So we are gonna pray this prayer together in celebration and solidarity of this one individual who, pray, who raised their hand. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for your forgiveness. I know that I've messed up and I need to turn back to you. Today I ask that you would change my life, that you would change my heart. Today I come back to you, God, knowing I need you, not chasing what is good, but chasing after what is best. It is in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions or in need of prayer or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at nicole at foundationschurch.tv.